It is really good to be here. I just had to think back of a number of years ago when you know we we've been praying for a, a a Calvary Chapel in Farmville for a number of years, and just loved that verse by verse teaching and and just you know longing for that in Farmville. And I'd met with Pastor Troy from Lynchburg several times about the possibility of having a you know a Calvary Chapel in Farmville and. Um, he invited me to a pastor's gathering, pastoring leaders conference back several years ago to go with and to meet some Calvary Chapel pastors and leaders. And, and that's where I met Steve. Steve and I had lunch together. We ended up at the lunch table one day and we just got to talk and share one with another. And, and, and he was very instrumental in, in encouraging me to take a step of faith. Uh, I talked to him. He shared a little bit about his journey with uh, shoeing horses and starting as a pastor. And at that time, we had seven children. Sherry and I had seven children. I think Isaiah was, you know, just just a little. I think he was two years old when we started the church. But, you know, and a nineteen-year-old and seven in there. Well, how do you how do you transition? How do you, you know? And he just said, just go for it. God will guide. God will direct in his steps. And he shared a little his journey of shoeing horses and passing the church and how God took him through that. So a real encouragement and friendship uh, developed from that. And so we're thankful uh, for Pastor Steve and Helga, and we're looking forward. Sharon and I will be going with them and maybe some more of you here to the trip, uh, to Israel trip in January. So I'm really thankful. Uh, when Pastor Steve came to preach at Farmville in January, he shared with his trip. And I was actually on a mission trip at, at that time. So I, didn't, I got back and listened to the tape. And uh, Sharon told me about this, uh, you know, this, this Israel trip. And I'd never been to Israel. I've always wanted to go to Israel. And Sherry and I had this idea for our 25th anniversary. We're going to take a trip. We're going to go. We're just going to go take a trip, you know. And so we looked at it and said, hey, how about Israel? So really looking forward to, uh, to teaming up with some of you and, and, of course, Pastor Stephen Helga and January. And Lord willing, we'll take that trip to Israel. So it's good to be here today. And I really am thankful for the good work that God is doing here in Fluvanna. And it's, it, is, it is a privilege to break the bread together and to share the word. Let me just pray over this time in the word. God, I thank you for being so faithful to us, thankful for the way our lives have been intertwined and we've been able to meet each other and work on the facility here and the beautiful place you've given this group to worship. And Lord, we just, we just keep our hands open to you today. We want to receive from your word. I pray that you would fill us with your, with your love and with your grace and through your spirit that we would take this ninth chapter here in Daniel and just open, it to, open up our eyes and our hearts to receive. Lord, we we want to look at this prayer. We want our hearts to be able to learn and grow. And Lord, we desire for that intimate fellowship and relationship with you. I pray you would even now begin to restore the times of disappointments and failures in our lives and just bring a fresh uh, dose of hope. Hope because of the way your spirit can become, uh, give us direction and can guide us and can help us. Um, so Lord, I pray that your hand would now be upon this time, Lord, just Speak to us through your word. In your name we pray. Amen. If anyone needs a Bible, if you do not forget your Bible, you don't have one, uh, raise your hand and one of the ushers will get you a Bible because we want you to follow with us. And, and I actually taught through the book of Daniel, just completed it uh, in Farmville recently. And this particular chapter, chapter 9, is a prayer of Daniel. And, and, and I think we can just kind of take it out of, the, out of the book. It's within the context of the book. But this morning I would like to just kind of look at this prayer that, that, that Daniel prayed and that we can just enjoy listening to and, and looking into and observing here today. First of all, just a little context in where this chapter 9 
uh, fits into the book of Daniel. When Daniel was, at the beginning of the book, we see Daniel at about 15 years old. And the Jewish nation, uh, God's chosen people, have not been obedient to God's word. They have, they have failed to keep his word. They did not honor him as God. They began worshiping false gods. And they no longer took God's word seriously. And this was a, was a degeneration over the course of years. And so God raised up prophets like Jeremiah and others to speak into the lives of God's people and said, listen, you know, God is, is giving you fresh life here. He's speaking into your lives. He's giving you direction. He's giving you guidance. But their ears were dull. And they listened to it and they heard it, but they did not, they did not respond to it. And so the prophets continued. God continued to send prophets in love, really, just correcting and, and speaking into their lives, but they, they, their ears were closed. They did not hear the voice of the prophets. Matter of fact, they heard, but they would actually throw them in jail at times. Say, we don't want to hear that. That's not what we want to hear. And so this continued on to a point where God said, okay, the time has come for judgment. And he allowed Babylon, which is today's Iraq, Babylon, the king to actually come into Jerusalem and to, in two different deportations, take the people of God and, and capture them and bring them as slaves back to Iraq or back to Babylon. And so you had this Jewish nation that was appointed by God and God brought them into their land and they were flourished in their land and Solomon had built a beautiful temple and the presence of God came upon the temple and they were worshiping God and he was right there among them. He was right on the other side of the veil. And God, they knew his spirit was there. But they, they, they stepped away. They got, they got serving false gods. And who cares about that God in the tabernacle anymore? Who cares about the creator, universe, God? They began to seek after the gods of this world and so forth and rejecting the voice of the prophets. And so God allowed Nebuchadnezzar to come in and not only to take them captive, but eventually destroyed the city, broke down the walls, left the city in desolation, and even on top of that, took, went into Solomon's, the beautiful temple that they were just, you know, they're always proud of, I believe. They were just, this temple was beautiful. Not only broke into the temple and, and really destroyed the temple or, 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 or really damaged it, but stole a lot of the golden vessels, the, the vessels that were used for, for service in the, in, the, in, the, in the temple that God had, you know, this and this plan for. They just stole them and took them back to Babylon and kind of put them in storage for a while. So as we come into chapter 9, it had now been about 70 years. Daniel is no longer a 15-year-old. Actually, he's probably been more like close to 70 years at this time. He's now an elderly man. And he has served in the king's court throughout throughout this time under really a couple different kings now. And he reads in the prophet of Jeremiah. Here the the prophet of God is is reading in the prophet of Jeremiah. and he sees that, oh my goodness. Jeremiah said that after 70 years, God's going to bring restoration and healing and restore them to their land. And he's like, God, you promised this. And so we see this prayer before God. And throughout this prayer that we read in verse 1 to 19, several times you're going to see the word desolation. You're going to see the word, uh, oh, he describes the Jewish nation, he describes the city. As, as desolate. It's a dark word. And he touches on their failures of the past. Oh, just hurtful, sad failures. And he, he acknowledges them and he touches on them. But the key verse, I believe, comes from the... Well, we're going to look at 1 to 19, but I'm just going to read, go ahead and read the last couple, the last uh, three verses 
And we'll come back to it again. But turn with me to Daniel 9. Uh, and I'm going to read at verse 17. This is the, 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 the last of this prayer. So now, our God, listen to the prayer of thy servant and to his supplications. And for thy sake, O Lord, let thy face shine on thy desolate sanctuary. So he's here here in Iraq. He's thinking back on Jerusalem. He's thinking back on the, on the festivals and the, and the feasts and the worship of the, of the Yahweh, God. And he said, O oh Lord, may your face once again shine upon that place. May your face once again shine upon your people. O oh my God, verse 18, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city which is called by thy name. For we are not presenting our supplications before thee on account of any merits of our own. We don't, we don't deserve this. We haven't become good enough, but on account of thy great compassion. O oh Lord, hear. O oh Lord, forgive. O oh Lord, listen and take action. For thine own sake, O oh my God, do not delay because thy city and thy people are called by thy name. Chapter 9, verse 1. In the first year of Darius, the son of Esarias, the Median, over descent, he was made king over the kingdom of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, observed in the books the number of years which was revealed as the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet for the completion of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. So I gave my attention to the Lord, God, to seek him by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord, my God, and confessed and said, Alas, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his loving kindness, his, his covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned. We have committed iniquity. We've acted wickedly. We've rebelled, even turning aside from thy commandments and ordinances. Moreover, we have not listened to, to thy servants and the prophets who spake in thy name to our kings, to our princes, to our fathers, and to all the people of the land. Righteousness belongs to thee, O Lord, but to us open shame, as it is this day. To the men of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and all Israel, those who are nearby and those who are far away in all countries, I mean, the Jewish nation is now scattered, to which thou hast driven them because of their unfaithful deeds which, thou hast, which they have committed against thee. To stop for a moment. As we go through this prayer, I would like us this morning to take a little time to reflect on our own lives. I believe that, you know, as we journey through this life, living in this world, looking forward to and anticipating our home in heaven, we can reflect back and we do not have to look back far before we face and, and, and are reminded of our own failures, of our own shortcomings, of our own areas of desolation. Maybe it's a relationship with one of your parents, where as you look back on that, it's like, oh, mm. maybe it's a relationship with a child. Maybe it's just a former employee or you, you name it. Maybe it's, if you look back, we just know areas where we just left the ball drop. Where we did not man up. Where we just neglected the responsibilities God has given us. We don't have to look back far and long before we come to one of these, several of these. Maybe for some it was, it's very, it's very, it was very near. Maybe for some it's, it, it goes back a ways. There is a significant thing. The beauty of this prayer, I believe, is that God gives us hope. When we, when we come before God 
And we say, oh God, may your face shine upon our ashes. May your face shine upon this. And we see that God begins to do a good work of healing that we cannot accomplish. Daniel was 15 years old. I don't know that Daniel really committed much of anything to get him into this mess. I mean, he was a teenager. This is generations of disobedience to God. And he ended up, this young man, being swept away as a slave as a, as a, as a, in a foreign land because of who knows what. But yet, here he is crying out on behalf of his people. It is so important. Verse 3, he says, he understands that, okay, the time is nearing for this, for this to end. And I mean, when, we, when, we, when we're in a time of, of searching and time of, you know, he's been there for 70 years in a foreign land. And, and, and you know, there, there comes a time where you either get comfortable with it. It's not God's, God's purpose and plan is for them to be in their city, to be in their land that God gave them. He had a work for them to do and said, this is your land. But because of disobedience, they were scattered to all parts. God wanted to bring them back together again. It was his purpose and plan that, listen, here's where I want to fulfill your promises. Here in this land. Here in this land. So he wants to bring them back. He wants to restore them. He wants wants to be able to shine his face back on that desolate land again and bring healing. But Daniel's like, he's looking around. And as we learn later on in the book, People have become satisfied. They began to have shops and businesses in, in Iraq. They're, they're kind of at home there now. And when God opened the door and he said, okay, you can go back, only a few actually went back. The rest said, well, you know, we've been here now and our kids have friends here and we're kind of in the school system. And who wants to go back to desolate old Jerusalem? But that was God's plan for them. But it was, not, it was no longer comfortable. But God wanted them to face it. He wanted them to go back and say, I want to bring healing here. I want, to, I, want to, I want to heal something here. And maybe, maybe God wants to do that for you. Maybe there's areas in your life that you just have pushed over and thrown carpets on top of and hid under the covers. And you never, you just, that's how we tend to do with it. I don't even want to think about it. Well, there's a point in time where God says, okay, it's okay to face it. I just want you to know that I'm going to, I'm going to heal that. It's no longer going to be a stumbling block in your life. It's no longer going to be a dark stain. I'm, I, want to, I want to heal that for you. I want that pain to come to an end. And maybe you'll find yourself in that here today. The first thing we see here in this prayer that I think is just, I want to go journey through this prayer. So much I think we can learn from this. First thing we see in verse 3, so Daniel says, So I gave attention to the Lord God to seek him. I gave attention to the Lord God. It's easy to give attention to the struggle or, or the battles or who we're up against or just what we don't like. But Daniel said, listen, I, I, I had to give attention to him i think any genuine prayer any gen any any supplication before god starts with a decision in our heart to say okay i am just going to give attention to god what 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 do you do to really hear from god what what is it what is it that you find yourself well for me you know i i love my walks i just i love my walks i love my times and then sometimes, you know, I'll have Isaiah say, come on, Daddy, I want to come along. And I say, not on this one, not on this one. I need get to give attention. I just need to be undistracted. I, I, I need to give attention. I think every genuine cry of our heart, every, do you really desire healing? Do you really desire to just bring something for God? Daniel says, I started out, I had to give attention to it. He was working in the king's court. A lot of responsibilities. I got to take care of this and foreign affairs here. And who knows what he was all doing. But he said, I had, I had to give attention to God. 
So he, you see that. He said, I gave attention to the Lord God to seek him. You know, he had to seek him. To seek him. God is near for those who seek him. And he seek him by prayer, which is simply intercession. The word really means to intercede. He's gonna, he's, he said, okay, God, there's, there, there, there's a lot of people involved in this. I, I'm not alone in this. He, he begins by saying prayer, which is this word prayer is intercession. I'm going to intercede. I'm going to bring this great big old need before you, God. And then he says he, he, he comes, he seeks the Lord in supplication, which means an earnest entreaty. He said, God, I, I, I just need to beg something of you. There's, there's, there's no holding back here. There's, there's not, there's, I, just, I, just, I just need, I need to entreat of something of you, God. And then he says fasting. That's, fasting is a laying aside of something. You know, if we, if we want healing, we, we, we want God's spirit to just, his face to shine upon our desolation. He says, listen, I, God, I'm willing to give up. I, I just want to lay something aside. When I, when I give attention to you, I need to lay something aside. What is that you need to lay aside to just hear from God, to seek God? For Daniel, we don't know exactly what he fasted. Maybe he was fasting from food, most likely, but maybe it's some other thing. Maybe he just had to lay some things aside and quiet his heart and say, you know what? For two weeks, none of this, none of this, none of this, none of this. All right, God, just help me to be free from these distractions. I just need to fast from this. I need, I need to de- remove myself from this for a while. I need, to, I need to create within me a hunger to hear from you. So there was fasting involved here. And then we have sackcloth. Sackcloth is always, it's a public recognition and identification of our need. In other words, we like to keep these things kind of tucked in. You know, I don't want anyone, no one else has to know this. But sackcloth was like a visual. I am in need of God's grace. So basically, they're putting something around them that is like telling people, I am in need of God's grace. This is a beautiful prayer here. And I think we see in Daniel's heart. He wasn't hiding this. He wasn't kind of like... You know, he's in the king's court. He wasn't like, you know, no, he was publicly saying, oh, I'm in need. And so many times, that's a big step for us. It's a hurdle for us. We choose not to put on the sackcloth. We don't want to publicly identify our need. But he was willing to do that. So he put on the sackcloth. And then the ashes. <laughs> ashes are, are the remains of a burn. And literally the ashes here, and, and, and literally they would actually put, you know, I, I believe he may have actually put them on his head and just, he has his sackcloth, he had these ashes. And really, in a sense, when you look at Daniel at this point, we see the ashes of failure. Oh, Jerusalem is in ruins. This is, this is a monumental failure. Here it is. The, here's the ashes of it. This is, this is a low time. And it's like you're bringing this whole package before God. Oh. It's been 70 years. Why bother talking about it? Why bother bringing this up? Because Daniel sensed in his spirit that now was the time God was going to bring healing and restoration. And so he allowed himself publicly to express his need and express his desire for this. So he, he, just was, he was able to just bring this out. Verse 4, and then he, he, then he prayed. He said, I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. The first thing we see after just fasting and setting apart and seeking God is he began to confess, to acknowledge. 
In other words, he talked about it to God. It wasn't like this hidden, dark, looming secret anymore. It's like, God, here it is. I, 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 today I confess. And he said, alas, O Lord, the great and awesome God. The first thing we see in verse 4 is he confessed the Lord's awesomeness. The Lord is a good God. The Lord is a compassionate God. The Lord is a loving kindness God. He keeps his covenant. He's loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. He reflected on his heart and said, God, I love you. I, I, I know you're a promise keeper. I know you say here that, that this will end. And so I don't know how this will end. I mean, we're scattered all over the world. The city is in desolation. We have no money to restore it. Solomon's not around to do it up again. He had all the money. I don't see how this is going to happen. Lord, my hands are open to you. I have no idea how this is going to happen. But you promised it. So today I'm just resting in you. I'm just resting in you. I, I, can't, I don't know how to begin to lead this thing. What, what am I going to do? How am I going to ring a bell? Everyone just go back? I, I, can't, I can't do this, God. I can't, I can't do this. So he just, here it is, God. Here, it's just a, you see this surrender. You're, you're a promise keeper, God. And, 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 and we have to remind ourselves that God is, is loving kindness because when we walk through these times, our tendency is sometimes to get a little mad at God, say, God, you did this, you did that. You allowed this. You, And so he says, God, oh, you're a God of loving kindness. I know you love me. And I know I love you. So he allowed himself to trust God. He allowed himself to trust God. God, he says, you're a promise keeper. And you are a loving kindness. Uh, verse 5. And, and here the confession starts. He says, we have sinned. We have sinned. He's a teenager. He's going to Babylon because of the sins of his fathers and grandfathers and so forth. I would have probably started out and said, God, you know what my dad did, and you know what my great-grand did, and you know what all those people did. Would you please heal us? No, he says, he, had, he, had, he knew his own sinfulness. He knew his own shortcoming before God. He wasn't picking out someone's sins that are bigger than me or blame some. If only they wouldn't have done this, God, you know I wouldn't be in this mess. If only my dad would have loved me more. If only he spoke words of encouragement to me. If only my mom would have just taken me to the ball games. You know if they'd have done that, God, I, I'd be okay. No, he didn't make a list of all the things that generate. He said, oh, God, we have sinned. And I'm one of them. We have sinned. He didn't put himself apart as, no, I'm better than they are. He says, we have committed iniquity. We've acted wickedly. He gets real personal here. We've acted wickedly, God. And we've rebelled. Rebellion is that you know it, you see it, but you say, forget it. He says, we've done that, God. Now, how much did he do about that? I don't know. But he says, we've done that. He knew his own heart. He wasn't playing games with God. He said, I may have not done that, but God, you know what I have done. I may have done what they did, but you know what I've done. He just identified himself and said, we have rebelled. We have done that, oh God. So you see this openness, this transparency before God. We've turned aside from thy commandments and ordinances. We, we've walked in disobedience. Verse 6, moreover, we have not listened. Ouch. We've not listened. How many times has God spoken to us through a friend, through a brother, through his word, through Pastor Steve, through whatever you know means God has to speak to us, and we've not listened? He says, we haven't listened. You spoke to us, God. You were right there, but we haven't listened. To thy servants the prophets who spoke in thy name to our kings, to our princes, to our fathers, and all the people of the land. God gave them plenty of opportunity. He says, you spoke. We just haven't listened. Verse 7, 
Righteousness belongs to thee, O Lord. Righteousness belongs to you. But to us, open shame. We see several verses here of just comparing our sinfulness to God's righteousness. You know, this whole prayer is like seeing the reality of where we're at and then seeing the righteousness of God. And when we look at these two, we begin to see who we really are. And then we begin to, we can receive that undeserved grace and favor from God. Oh, God, huh, I'm sure glad I can count on your loving kindness and your compassion because I, it's not any merit of our own as we, get, we began to study reading. It's not any merit of our own that we're even teaching. It's not that I've been good enough. I'd fasted three straight weeks and God, God finally you're going to hear my, because of, no, it's not any merit of our own, God. It's your loving kindness. So we see that continually come up here in these, in these verses. Righteousness belongs to you. Oh, Lord, open shame belongs to open shame. See the transparency here? Open shame. We're deserving of open shame. As it is this day, to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, to all Israel, those who are nearby, those who are far away, and all the countries in which thou hast driven them because of their unfaithful deeds which they have committed against thee. Verse 8, open shame belongs to us. It belongs to us. We deserve it. O Lord, to our kings deserve it, our princes deserve it, our fathers, because we have sinned against thee. Okay? To the Lord our God belong compassion and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him. He is beseeching something here that he cannot earn. He cannot do this good enough for him to be healed. He cannot accomplish this on his own. And he recognized that, and he says, listen, forgive. Fortunately for you, God, forgiveness are in your hands. Compassion is in your hands. Compassion means undeserved favor towards man, towards you and I. Compassion says, oh, mm, I know you failed. I know the city is desolate, but I, I, I really care about that. Daniel says, I know, God, you're a compassionate God. Can we receive that here today? Can we receive the compassion to understand that God is compassionate? The Bible says he was tempted in all areas as we're tempted. So he's compassionate in, our, in the areas that we're tempted in. He's, he's compassionate. He, he, I think if we, would, if we would be able to see the eyes of Christ, we would see tears many times. Because he's compassionate. He's compassionate. He deeply cares about our lives. Here recently, um, we had a, a unique opportunity. We have a, a softball league there in town. And we put a little shed on the facility to keep our things in. And the first weekend we put the shed there before the season, we got there and the windows were broken in and all our things were taken. And there's a concession stand that it was broken into as well. And anyway, there was a camera there and they videotaped these two. It looked like young boys on this camera. So the police got involved and they, they asked the people and said, oh, yeah, I know those boys. So I can take it to where they live. So he took the officer to the where they lived and so forth. And... I get this phone call, says, hey, you know, we found the young boys. And um, here's some of the charges. And they, they confessed to, yeah, we did take their things and, and uh, so forth and said, uh, you know, you want to proceed forward and press charges. And it was like, I said, how old are they? He said, well, it appears to be about 12 years old. And I said, well, what are my options? <laughs> what, what, what are our options? And they say, well, at this point, you know, what are you thinking? What are you? And I said, well, I'd just like to meet him. I'd just like to meet him. I just want to spend some time with him. He says, well, we could probably arrange that. So we arranged time in my office there at church, and he brought them in. I said, well, I would like to meet 
you know, their parents as well. He says, well, he said, we ask and we try to meet their parents. And the closest, the closest kin uh, for both of them was a great aunt. The, neither parents have guardian. And, and, and so I said, well, maybe I can meet, you know, the great aunt. So we lined up this meeting. They came into my office and they sat down and their heads were hanging down, you know, and everything. And, and the first question I asked, I said, um, I said, what do you guys want to do when you grow up? They were like, if, 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 if money was an issue, what would you really love to do? You know, and, and they live right beside this beautiful little league ballpark. That they, I said, you, know, you guys never played in the, in the, in the, in the field, in the, in the little league, did you? No. I said, what do you like to? They said, yeah. I said, what, did you not have opportunity? I said, no. I tell you, talk about compassion. My heart began to overflow with it. I sat there, I was like, oh my goodness. Here these guys were, live right on top of the hill, probably watch the ball games. Never didn't want to pay their dues. Never had a dad to take them. I just was like, oh. I said, I'm not going to press charges on these guys. I want to help these guys, you know. And I said, um, would, you, would you do me a favor? They're like, yeah. I said, would you help me clean up the broken glass? And would you help me put some boards over the windows so no one else does this? I said, yeah, we'll help you. I said, would you, would you also help me prepare the field for our next games and be my ground crew? They said, yeah, we'll help you. And uh, I said, well, I'd like to meet your dad. And so the one couldn't get over his dad, but the other one I met his dad, sat there in my office again with his dad. Compassion does amazing things for reaching people, and God has compassion. If you're hurting, if your life is a mess, I want you to know he has compassion. Those boys took me back to their fort, and they showed me all the things they stole from me. Not only that, but they showed me things they stole from, from the youth department. <laughs> Man, I got, I got vice grips and pliers and grubbing hose and everything, and they gave it all back. I said, here, we got all this stuff. We gave it back. And then I said, well, you know what? We got a summer Bible school coming up. We could use your help. They helped in our summer Bible school. We have some people at the church who, who, who are in the basketball program along with university. And one of the guys, one of the coaches fell in love with these boys and said, would you like to come to our basketball camp? And the last two weeks they spent the whole day at Longwood University in the basketball camps, helping out with the basketball camps. So God is doing a good work there. And none of that, but with the dad as well. Compassion goes a long way, and God has it. God, we only have compassion for little bits and pieces. I mean, I, I can't possibly have compassion for everything. But God somehow does. And if we understand that, I'm telling you, he's pulling for you. He's pulling for us. And, I'm, and he will have tears in his eyes when, he, when you cry out your heart. He says, listen, I don't want to press charges. I want to bring healing. And God will do that if we just understand that and we cry out to him. Well, we can't. They couldn't pay it back. They couldn't. They just had to accept it, and they accepted it, and God is doing a good work there. I would recommend that you accept and understand that God is a compassionate God for those who love him, for those who love him. Turn your hearts to him and just accept that and allow his compassion to overwhelm you. We see that here. It's for those who've rebelled against him. Verse 10. Nor have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God, to walk in his teachings, which he has set before us through his servants. He again goes on just to explain more. Verse 11, indeed, all Israel has transgressed thy law 
and turned aside, not obeying thy voice. So the curse has been poured out on us, along with the oath which was written in the law of Moses, the servant of the God, for we have sinned against thee. He continually just brings this up. Oh, we have fallen short. He's not hiding. He's not making excuses. All excuses are gone. There's nothing. In it. We have sinned. That's the, I believe that is a vital step to just receiving the healing God gives us. We have programmed ourselves so many times to blame someone else for something. And so I think many times that stops us from receiving that ministry of healing because it's not my fault. Go get him, God. When he's saying, oh, we have sinned, that opened up a door here. Verse 12. Thus he has confirmed his words which he has spoken against us and against our rulers who ruled us to bring on us a great calamity for under the whole heaven there has not been done anything like what you have done to Jerusalem. Verse 13 As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come on us. Let's be real. It's happened. Okay? Yet, we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our iniquity and giving attention to thy truth. In other words, here we see a group of people who have said, yes, your hand of judgment has been upon us. Yes, it's been rough. Yes, the city is desolate. Yes, we're scattered upon all parts of the earth. He says, but you have... You have not sought the favor of the Lord by turning from your iniquity. In other words, we want God's grace without that hum- humble cry of repentance. God, would you change my life? But yet we're not willing to turn from. He says, no. He says, you, you, you see this. We see this, but we have not sought favor by turning from our iniquity and giving attention to that truth. So today, may we just may we turn our eyes and give attention to the Lord. Oh, Lord, I confess. Oh, Lord, I give my attention to you. Oh, Lord, I want to turn from the things that have dishonored you. I want to turn from them. I want to repent. It means you go the other way. I'm going to walk in your ways. I want to walk in your truth. Verse 14, therefore, the Lord has kept the calamity in store and brought it on us. For the Lord our God is righteous with respect to all his deeds, which he has done. But we have not obeyed his voice. Now, I'm fully aware that not all of our valleys, not all of our ashes, not all of our failures are related personally to us. Just like Daniel. You can go back, and you know Jesus, when he was here on this earth, he walked up to this man that was born blind, and people started asking him, Jesus, this man's born blind. Was it the sin of his, his parents, his grandparents? Was it his own sin? And he said, you know what, guys? None of that, but just that my name would be glorified. Job had many ashes. Job had many visual failures. He lost it all. Oh, my goodness. But that is the God's name to be glorified. So we we can't, Daniel didn't put himself and try to figure out who's really really to blame for my, he just said, I'm a part of it. I I am a part of it. And he he just continues to speak this out. And now, verse 15, and now, O Lord, our God, who has brought thy people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand. Now he looks back and says, you have done it before, God. Here we had, you know, all these people were slaves in the land of Egypt. You've done it before. And you brought them out with a mighty hand. And and as we look back on God's previous faithfulness, it gives us courage to trust him again. And that's part of the beauty of God's word. As we look back on God's word and we say, you know what, God? 
you, you, you saved this brother and you brought this person out and look what you've done to the church of God. You know, look, look how we went through the Reformation. Look, look all the things. I know you can do it again, both personally and as a body. You can do it again. So he takes a little time to look back and he said, oh my, God has done mighty things in the past. I'm trusting him to do it again. And I would say, do you, can you trust him for your own life? Or is it always like, oh, they got it made. God really ministered them. Oh my goodness, they're just the lucky ones. Well, yeah. You see that, you witness it. It should be, bring us to the point where, oh, I know you can do it, God. You've done it before, and I beseech. Here's my case before you. And God's history, God's past, strengthens our faith that God will be faithful again. You brought the people out, middle of verse 15 there, you brought the people out of Egypt with a mighty hand and has made a name for that self. As it is this day, but we have sinned and we have been wicked. <laughs> Verse 16, O Lord, in accordance with all thy righteous acts, let now thine anger and thy wrath turn away from the city of Jerusalem, thy holy mountain. For because of our sins and the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and thy people have become a reproach to all those around us. Those are really difficult words. Because he's literally saying, you know what? Our failures have become the, the pointing finger from all the surrounding area. We, all, we know that feeling. You know, our, our low times, our desolation, our ashes, there's always those accusing fingers on the outside pointing in. He's saying, oh, God, we have been a bad example for you. We have not, as a Christian, oh my goodness, I mean, this is a bad testament of a Christian. We are your people. You brought us out. You delivered us on Egypt. You gave us a place. You, you, you gave us all we need. You gave us prophets. You gave us your words. You gave us your spirit dwelling in the tabernacle. You gave us access to, your, to, your, to hear your voice. Oh, we have all these benefits. And we walked away. Oh my, what a, what a, what a bad example we were of you. He, he, he acknowledges that, but he says, oh God, you know, I welcome your loving kindness and compassion on this situation. He doesn't miss anything here. And then we go to the verses that we read here at the beginning of our time. So now. And I would say here this morning, so now. Our God, listen to the prayer of thy servant and to his supplication. And for thy sake, O Lord, for thy sake. Really, the healing that will take place in our life is really for God's sake. Because of his compassion towards us. So he recognized that. He says, for thy sake, O Lord. That's why you brought them out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand. It was for your sake. And that's why you'll do it again. For thy sake, O Lord. And he says, for thy sake, let thy face shine on thy desolate sanctuary. You can sense and you can feel the hope rising here. Oh, my. I mean, literally, this is possible. You can take this, God, and you can take this, little old broken in shed for something of your kingdom. You can take this broken life. You can take this failure of my past. You can literally, if your face shines upon it, it'll bring change. Hey, yes. Yes. I believe that's what God is saying to the church today. Yes. I will shine my face upon your desolation and I, I can bring healing out of it. Just let me do it. And just don't make excuses anymore. Don't blame anyone else. Just say, oh God, I am in need of you, and you will sense, I believe in your spirit, the hope rising, because you recognize you're not the one that has to fix it. 
I'm not the one that has to fix it. I'm just going to trust God that he will heal. Verse 18, oh my God, now incline thine ear. I think one of the hardest things is when we feel like nobody is listening. Do you ever talk and you realize the person you're talking to, you know they're not listening to you? <laughs> it's like you've just been talking for two minutes and you know they're not listening to you. You know, that's an awful feeling, you know. Or if you're on the phone and you're talking, you realize that you've been cut off and you wonder how long, you know. That's an awful feeling. What did I just, I was just talking to myself for the last 30 seconds. Oh, Daniel said, incline your ear. Are you hearing me, God? I believe he is hearing us. And he was hearing Daniel. Incline thine ear and hear. That's so important. We need to know that God's hearing us. Open thine eyes and see. I think a lot of times we don't want God to see. Why do we want God to see this mess? We try to hide the mess. But he says, God, I invite you to open your eyes and see. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's okay that you see this. You hear my supplication, and I'll, I'll open this little door of my heart, and I just, I'm just visually saying, God, i let you see it. i let you see it. I'm no longer going to hide this. I'll let you see it. Oh, God, incline your ear, open, my, open thine eyes and see. See this, see this desolation of our city. This city is called by thy name. And we're not presenting our supplication again on, to the account of any of our merits of our own. That's why there's hope. Because we know we can't fix this mess. But we know, God, it's not on the merits of our own. It's, it's, it's completely by your grace and your compassion. I know you cry for me in this. I know you care about me in this. God, I just trust you. And then verse 19, O Lord, hear. And then, O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen. And then, take action. Oh, that we would just have God take action. We have taken action in the past. We have, mm, I'm getting this thing. I'm going to get back. I'm going to get even. I'm going to take my action. Here we see Daniel saying, O God, hear Listen, go ahead and take action. Go ahead and do what you want to do with my life. Go ahead and do what you want to do with these people. I know, I know you love us. I know your compassion. So it, it's this surrender. It's this openness that says, okay, God, here it is. Here it is for you. You go ahead and take action. And I would just say, don't be surprised at what God does. He has an interesting way of bringing about something good out of something that seems so bad. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen. O Lord, take action for thine own sake. Remember, it's for the sake of God. It's for his name. O God, do not delay. <laughs> oh, you know, you can just feel Daniel saying, oh, God, don't delay this longer. I don't know if I can handle this anymore. I just, I just don't delay. It's just an honest cry to God. It really is. It's like, you know, God, don't delay this. I just, I need your intervention now. Uh, can you start right now at 11.17? <laughs> can you start right now? Do you have to wait till next week even? I think that's a little bit what he's saying. Just, just, he probably looked at his watch and said, could you take, could you start right now at 11.17? Don't, I don't want to have to wait at all. Because thy city and thy people are called by thy name. And here we, he closes prayer out with vision. He says, I know, God, what you can do with this. I, 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 I know what you want to do here. I just trust you to do it. Oh, would you start now? Let's close in prayer. I want to welcome the worship team up here as we just close out this time. God, I thank you so much for this prayer of Daniel. Thank you that we could glean through it. We could journey through it, and we could just hear Daniel's heart. 
And Lord, I pray that as we have already applied it to our own lives and, and maybe to us here, here as a body at Calvary Chapel Fluvanna, Lord, maybe as a Calvary Chapel family at large, maybe it's the area churches right here in, in Fluvanna that, God, you want to do a fresh work in. But Lord, I know you haven't neglected us as individuals as well. And so, Lord, I pray that even now, at this time, without delay, we pray that you would begin that healing that your light and that your face brings when it shines on our desolation, Lord. Our minds this morning have gone back to areas that we're sad about, frustrated with, haven't been able to fix. Lord, today our hands are open to you. Lord, our hearts are open to you. Lord, you are the holy God. And we surrender these earthen lives to your compassion, to your grace, and to your goodness. Lord, we want the festivals back in Jerusalem. We want the worship to begin in our heart. We want the awesome reverence for you to be restored. We want that first love for you and for the body again, Lord. And we know it's going to be a work of you in our lives for that to happen. In your name we pray. Amen. I just want to give you opportunity to to be prayed for. I don't know how you normally do it here, but, you know, I I know you have a prayer room here and the altar is open. So um, if you need prayer, just if you say, God, I want someone to stand with me in this, just come and, 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 you know, we can pray with you and for you.